So, Nick. Yes. I have a question. Okay. Why, when you're going to say something is shit, do people say it's bullshit? Now, think about this with me. Okay? Okay. People just say horse shit. They just say chicken shit. They don't distinguish between the male and female. But why for the bovine? Why for a cow do we say bullshit and not cow shit? It's sexist. I don't know. I don't know. Have you ever thought about that? No. Yeah. This is bullshit. No, it's cow shit. <laughs> don't be a sexist, Nick. <laughs> You're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm the Bishop of the Bird, Nick, and with me, as always... It's your man, Gator. And we are smoking another selection from the May My Monthly this Cigars box today. This is a full body today. stick. Full yes. body. We're going to be smoking the Diesel Unholy Cocktail. It this, looks it, too. This comes in the uh, Torpedo slash Bellicoso size, 5x56. I love a good Bellicoso. <laughs> <laughs> with a uh, Pennsylvania broadleaf wrapper and Nicaraguan binder and filler. And as Jeff pointed out, this is listed as a full-bodied cigar. Yes, it is. And it it has the appearance of such. Oh, it does. Yeah. And it's got that sweet mm. kind of leathery uh, diesel band on it. Now, the band is down at the foot of the cigar. It smells I'm of rich mahogany. Attempting to get it off, but <laughs> I'm just going to have to tear it. You use it a lot. I do. You do. Many leather-bound books. You don't read. <laughs> if I had a book, it would be leather-bound. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll give you Not that. Not unlike this cigar. Guess I'll give you that. Okay. So. Yep. It's got a nice uh, footer band here. Yeah, try, to try and off. slide that off. Yeah, I was going to say, I not... tried, and then I tried to pull the band off. That did not and work at all. unfortunately, I ended up tearing my band. It's the on there. It is on there. It is on a there. A lot of pectin. Yes, all the pectin. All the pectin. Anyway, oh, well, oh, while Jeff struggled, oh, he got the band off. I did, in one, there you go. In one piece. That's good. That's good. There you so, go. It's time when we go ahead and cut the cigar, and the cut is brought to you by Riverman Cigar Company of Crestwood, Missouri. We love our man, Dan. Our man, Dan. Dan has been working hard throughout all the COVID shutdown to make sure that everybody still gets their cigars, be it through either to-go orders or curbside or mail order. And thankfully, it appears as though there might be a little light at the end of the tunnel for Dan coming yes. up here soon. We need to talk to him about this. Yes, we do. Yep. It seems like uh, seems like on uh, May 18th, which would be what? Monday. That's the target date. That's the target date for St. Louis City and St. Louis County to start relaxing some of their rules and, yeah. and that sort of thing, which I know... Um, we'll, we'll circle up with Dan. We'll talk to Dan yeah. and everything about it, but stay tuned. Yeah. But yeah, it's one of those things that I do think it's going to impact cigar lounge life for a little while. I mean, we're not going to just get right back to the way it was. No. So sadly, but, but yeah, but I, but, I miss the boys. I, do I miss too. the guys and the gals and the for gal. that matter. I genuinely miss the gals, but I'll say, <laughs> but I'll say this throughout this whole thing. Dan has been great making sure all of his customers are taken care of. Yes, he he's has. got something for everybody from $3 to $100 over there. I know he's been pushing the uh, the the budget bundles quite a bit. Um, I've, I've partaken. I have as well. I mean, you know me. Normally, I'm kind of a little more picky. but Snob, but as it were. I'm not a snob. I'm not a snob. A little bit. I'm picky, yeah. but... 
But I'll say that he's got the that one bundle over there. It's that um, Alec Bradley. Those are good bundle. sticks, man. And you know, for forty four bucks, you get ten cigars. Yeah. And they're quality sticks. So they I, really are. I, really, I burned through those fast. Oh, I gotta I know. get back over. I've there. got a whole bundle sitting in my humidor at home that I bought from Dan. So. Oh, you're not sharing. You've burned through how many bundles and you didn't share with me? <laughs> Those three by threes are good too. That he's Those got. Those three by threes are good. And yep. again, you know, a nice budget cigar and, uh, you know, their quality. So anyway, for those of you who are still living in areas, maybe where your brick and mortar is shut down and not <laughs> like doing anywhere anything. anywhere in Illinois. Exactly. Yeah. Or if maybe you uh, live in an area where you don't even have a brick and mortar and you normally rely on the online guys, you know, give Dan over at Riverman a call. Um, he does a lot of mail order service and it would be nice for you to support a brick and mortar shop. You know, not not necessarily the online guys. The online guys are doing just fine. But the brick and mortar guys, they're struggling. They're coming out of this thing and they're going to need, you know, business right away to yes. keep things going and to bring their people back. You know, they've got a lot of staff that's on unemployment and whatever else. I mean, Hiatus. They're, they're going to have to bring these folks back and they're going to have to afford it. And, and we want them back because these are the guys with the institutional knowledge. When you walk in and you're de- trying to decide what stick to get, they're the ones that can tell you what the cigars are and what exactly. you're going to get out of them. Exactly. And, you know, and it's and like we were just saying, it's not going to be life as normal as soon as they reopen. So it's not like, oh, they're back open. They're doing just fine now. It's not like that. No. It's going to be a ramp up. So we still have to continue every small to support business. the brick and mortar on their business side. So yeah, Absolutely. So. And that's with every small business. I mean, exactly. with our newspapers, with all the people that advertise with us, I mean, it is going to be a slog getting back. Yeah. So so give Dan over at Riverman Cigar Company a call. And with that, it is time that we go ahead and cut the cigar oh that was fanciful that was fanciful now nick is using his uh v cut there i do have my v cutter because i'll be honest i i did purchase myself well okay let me back nick up. owns all the cutters i do own all the cutters yeah. i found that zycar xo um you hit it from yourself but i don't have it with me and i also purchased myself a calibri sv cutter and I don't have that with me either so um i am using my v cutter you know on, you uh, know what i got torpedo. here that i'm using what? My perfect cut from Riverman from River Cigar, Cigar Company. Yep, absolutely. Well, there you go. So we'll go ahead and give this... Uh, Although I will admit, since it's a torpedo, I'm going to have to take a few whacks at it. Cause this guy cut. Get wow. her opened up. That is an unusual... Now, it doesn't look like Pac-Man, Jeff. No. It looks like a fish. Okay. Because <laughs> it's a torpedo. I don't even know what he's talking about, folks. I didn't even look over. You know, you're an idiot. <laughs> Such a jackass. The V-cuts always look like Pac-Man. <sighs> But anyway. not on a torpedo. I'll give you that. Anyway. All right. I so took you... three whacks at this, and it is still not opened up. i got to take one more uh, layer off. It's like I'm slicing ham in a meat counter. I'll admit, that is something I am worried about, having done this as a V-cut. You know, it's like, <laughs> how opened up is this going to be? Ooh, I'm getting flavor notes. What are you getting? Hold on. What is It's almost fruity. Are you getting that? <sighs> Fruity or floral? Floral, yeah. 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 It's kind of a floral note to it. Not what I expected. Mm-mm. Yeah, not what I expected at all. Time for the cold retro. Patented Gator cold retro. It is kind of sweet on the, it uh, is. On the cold draw there. 
And on the retro, did you try the retro? I tried. I didn't get anything. Really, I I picked but, up a lot on that. But like I am different. Get, I'm getting sweet on the uh, on the. Uh, it's like a peach dryer. blossom. Something. Yeah. I don't know. I'm lighting my cigar now because you know I, I like to smoke. Well, it's my what cigar. we do. Yeah. I like to flate mine for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I always tend to start off with that. It seems to heighten the pleasure. <laughs> Nick's speechless. Gets it in the mood, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Got to fluff the cigar a little fluff bit. Fluff the there. cigar bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a little limp before, but it's good and strong now. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get this fired up. Well, right off the bat, it's smoking good. Mm-hmm. Nick used one of his 3,000 torches he owns. I'm using my cigar pulp at Zippo. Well, look at you. I know, right? Look at you. So what are you getting on the stick? Like you said, it is smoking really well. Right off the bat, I'll say it is a meaty cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not overwhelming me. Not so far. No. Not so far. We're in the, in the beginning stages. You going to give a retro? Yeah, I will. Okay, let's do it. All right. <clears throat> <coughs> There's some spice on the retro. Boy. Not overwhelming, though. No, it's not. Not so far. No. It's It's... I'm not saying it's light because it's not a light cigar. It it it's a meaty stick, but there's nothing that's like overpowering and like no blasting me just yet with it. You no, know and I, mean? I I like that about it. That's not what I expected. Yeah, considering it's the the unholy cocktail and all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did not. It it is not offending the senses like I thought it was going to. Yeah, I don't know. I it's hard for me to say. What exactly I'm getting off of this thing right off the bat? I I have an idea, a thought in my mind, but I almost feel crazy saying it, and so I don't want to like. When have we ever know, shied away from anything? It almost is like beef. Okay, like that, that's crazy. Like steak. Yeah, you're. You may. You may have had a stroke. Did you fart? Your farts. My don't farts sm- don't smell like don't steak. Smell like steak. <laughs> Rotten eggs, but not <clears throat> steak. No, I just. I'm just saying. Like it just. I'm getting this. Steak kind of thing from this, you know? Boy, it would pair up nicely with a nice T-bone, wouldn't it? Wow. Oh, God. T-bone, nice baked potato, little cheese-covered broccoli on the side. Can you tell I'm hungry? I'm a filet mignon kind of guy. Of course you are. I don't like doing surgery on steak, so give me something that has, like, no fat on it. I'm set. I like a bone to gnaw I don't like having to deal with fat and whatnot. Uh, I like to gnaw on it. The bits of gristle and whatnot. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's a good cigar so far. I'm I'm liking it. I'm just curious as to I I almost have this feeling of trepidation. Like there's something coming. Like we're in the very looming. we're in the beginning portion of it, and I just feel like there's something coming with this cigar. Maybe. And at some point, it's just going to come along and like whap me upside the back. You circle back to me filleting the cigar. I like that. Oh my god. Anyway. <laughs> So what's been going on with you, Jeff? You know, I've stepped up my Instagram game the last couple of days. You have. I have. I've noticed. That's good. I've, I've decided to, to jump in with both feet. I've been following a lot of people, getting a lot of interaction, posted a few extra pictures. Even That's put good. a picture of this diesel up a few minutes ago. That's good. Yeah. You so. know, a little, little bit of interaction on the Instagram. I like Instagram. I like the pictures. I like... I like <sighs> the paintings. Exactly. <laughs> Took my dog for a walk <laughs> along the boardwalk. 
went and looked at the paintings. I wonder how many people will even get that reference. Nobody <laughs> will. Because I don't do a very good impression, but that's okay. It's you pretty know? good. Eh, you do you know. a pretty good. Savage. Savage. <laughs> anyway. Now people might have it. Yeah, idea. now they but might anyway. get it. The paintings. So, I uh, swung by the Hill Cigar Company uh, earlier today. I'm jealous. They uh, reopened um, limited hours with, uh, with the COVID stuff. Lounge is still shut down. So I went by and said hi to some friends there and whatnot. And yep. Everything, but it's yeah. just a weird time. It is a weird it time. It is a weird time, but it's okay. I'll tell you, um, you know, we've talked about getting together with Dan over at Riverman and talking about like the future of lounges and whatnot. Yeah. And I, that we need to do that sooner than later. I agree. Well, especially if they're going to be reopening, like mm-hmm. you know, next week. I mean, it, it needs to be it needs to be on the agenda. We'll we'll I'll I'll touch base with Dan. We'll see. Maybe Good for Tuesday's show, we can maybe pull something together. That'd be perfect. Yeah. So. so. Yeah, good deal. But yeah, as far as Instagram, like I said, I've I've gone on and followed a lot of people that are, you know, working in the industry or just cigar lovers and, you know, just kind of stepped up the game a little bit. So, you know, and part of that is... Are they following you back? Some have been, yes. Well, that's good. See, I don't understand the whole follow, get followed back thing. Like on Facebook, you friend somebody, you're friends with them. Yeah, but see, that's the difference is that with Instagram, you have the ability to follow somebody... And you see their stuff, but they don't. Necess- they have to follow you back to see your stuff. Is it offensive if you don't follow someone back? I mean, I don't know what the protocols are. Meh, I mean, I you know, I don't know. I don't know. That's. The I thing. mean, I'll admit I don't follow everybody that's followed me. Um, it's just one of those things. I mean, sometimes you do, and sometimes you don't. I, you know, I don't know. It's personal preference, I guess. Yeah. Well, and part of that is we're going to have something to promote coming up here soon. It's true. It is. And I want to be able to help get the word out as best I can about our new product. Well, we've already talked about the cigar. I know. Cigar. I know, and I'm so excited. everybody knows about that. But yeah. I don't really care well, if they buy the Bishop. It's the Gator that I want to sell. You sack of shit. <clears throat> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. No. Get your shade-grown Connecticut for me, folks. You're going to love it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was talking to Dave over at Martinez just the other day, and they're... Looking forward to the beginning of June. I guess the date got pushed back a little bit in New York City. So now they're looking at the beginning of June before they can get the rollers and everybody well, in there. Well, you did post a and, picture uh, well, yeah, he, of a he, gorgeous hand of tobacco. He did send me a picture of mm, some yeah. of the Dominican filler tobacco that they're using. And let me tell you, I'm excited. So This is, this is a... Yeah, you know, for for Nick and I, this is a big deal. Yeah, we're really jazzed about this, guys. And when it's all said and done, all we ask is that you try it, and uh, you know, let us know what you think because we're really proud of this, and it's been a real collaborative effort with uh, Martinez. Exactly. And by the way, in a uh, little show note, we are sitting out on Jeff's deck, and uh, there it's are a some, wind tunnel. There are some storms predicted for this evening, so we're trying to get this show in now, and. Uh, it is getting a little windy. Now, we have an interview that we're going to jump to, which which is a long interview, but very informative. Yeah, we uh, we had an opportunity earlier today to sit down with Glenn Loop. He's the executive director of Cigar Rights of America. And, oh my gosh, we talked about legislation and, and uh, the CRA's fight um, to protect our rights as cigar smokers and how we can all get involved. Yep. And, just all kinds of stuff. So it's it's very. If you're a cigar lover, you you need to listen to this interview. Yeah. It was very good, and uh, not just because I was on it, but 
Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. You know, I don't normally like to let Jeff sit in on the serious interviews just due mm. to the fact that, you know, he tends to like to show his ass I shied off away lot, from the you, ignorance. You, you were good. You were I on did. your good behavior. It was good. I did my best. That's good. That's nice. So yeah. as we uh, head into the interview here, what are your thoughts on the stick as we're moving in? Because obviously we did smoke other cigars during the interview because it was an hour ago. Yeah, it was a little earlier. So, so. But through the through the magic of editing, it'll be next. But, <laughs> but yeah. I would, um, uh, earlier I smoked a uh, uh, My Father. A box press that I really like, and yes. I think you had a punch, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I had that that newer punch. It's um, the knuckle knuckle. Where is it? Buster, I think. I have. Oh no, know. that's not that. Just grab the cigar. Oh yeah, right. You do did get me one. It's the yeah. punch knuckle buster. Knuckle buster. It's a habano. Yep. So I grabbed a couple of those over at the hill earlier today because they were new, and I figured ah, I'd try them out. Why so, not? You got to try the new stuff. Exactly. So. Um, but yeah, we'll go ahead. We'll jump into our interview with uh, Glenn Loop here. In terms of what I'm getting on the Diesel Unholy Cocktail right now, I'll be honest, it is a little still early in the cigar for me to have a different um, experience. I'm still getting like little hints of spice. Some floral. Some floral. Yeah. But like overall, I'm just getting a real heavy kind of meaty texture feeling from it like it's it's i've done three retro hails now and it's just just a little kiss of spice it's yeah. not overwhelming like i thought it was mm-hmm. gonna be mm-hmm. so yeah i'm enjoying the stick so far well cool well then we'll go ahead we'll get into that interview with glenn loop and we will uh circle back after that well we're joined today by glenn loop he is the executive director of cigar rights for america and he's coming on to give us a little bit of an update about legislation and various rules and everything else involving cigars. I mean, there's been a lot going on. So it's much better than you and I just making it up as we go. You know, I mean, it's Actual true. news. It's true. true. So, <laughs> so, Glenn, how are you, sir? Not bad. And to kind of dovetail with what Jeff Gator said in the background, uh, the cigar industry, you know, makes up a lot of news, too. So... <laughs> Why should we be any different? There you go. Exactly. There you go. So where do we even get started? Um, I know that with Corona, there's been a lot of changes to the the uh, substantial equivalence date. That's now in September, I believe. Um, I mean, where, where do you where do you even want to get started with everything? Can you give our listeners an update as to where things are at? Well, it's kind of like a former state senator here in Virginia told me once, I want to hear a story, and I want it to begin with Once Upon a Time, and I want it to end with They All Lived Happily Ever After. And is, is that is that a, le- a legitimate real possibility? Uh, in the cigar industry, sometimes I wonder, because you would think something as simple and enjoyable and universally, uh, when I say universally, by those that are passionate for great cigars, lead a, a simplistic enjoyment of a of one of life's simple passions. So you would think if you had something of that nature that the last thing on the federal government's list of things to do would be to regulate and make us miserable. Whether we are consumers, retail tobacconists or or manufacturers, but yet there is a group within the Food and Drug Administration known as the Center for Tobacco Products, that wake up every single day trying to figure out how to make you and I miserable or to make it as complicated as humanly possible 
for you and I to en- enjoy a cigar. Now, I, I, before we started, I, I heard you say y'all were on a back porch. I hear birds chirping yes, in the sir. background. Yes, <laughs> beautiful day here in southern Illinois. Sunny, you're enjoying a beautiful sunny day in Illinois. I'm about to do the same thing on my back porch in Virginia. So based upon that, why on planet Earth is our federal government, any piece of it, any piece of it, even thinking about complicating that enjoyment of a cigar? So so that's how I'll tee things up with my answer. I, I have a question for you here, and I've asked Nick this before. I think we've even talked about it on the podcast. Why, if we have an ATF and the T in ATF is tobacco, why is the FDA messing with tobacco when there's already an agency to handle tobacco? One one answer to that. The magic word is nicotine. When nicotine was able to be regulated as a drug, that put it in the purview of the Food and Drug Administration. Ah, Okay, that answers it, because I've, I've wondered why in the world that's the case. So now you have not one, but two federal agencies coming at us, essentially. Essentially. I mean, the things I hear about with regard to uh, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, or as we call it in the South, a, a shopping list. Um, <laughs> um, you know, principally things like uh, searching for drugs and the use of shipments and tobacco products that are not premium handmade cigars, but at times premium handmade cigars have been caught up in inspections. And there have been, I've had numerous emails with pictures of where they have cut open uh, premium handmade rolled cigars, cut them open with razor blades looking for drugs. And obviously they're not there. Obviously that's, you can't do it, you know, and to my knowledge, there hasn't been a case of that. Uh, yet that happened seemingly sporadically. There was a company out of Texas that had that happen. There was a, several Florida shipments have been cut open, uh, you know, sporadically. Uh, but that's the only, you know, that's quote unquote nothing compared to what the industry is confronting with the Food and Drug Administration. So let uh, me let me ask you, since you brought that up. When when someone comes in and destroys your product like that, are they on the hook then to reimburse you for the product they damaged, or they just? I've been asked that question, and I've never come across a case where they could get reimbursed. Wow! Wow! I, that, to my knowledge, I could talk to some importers and try to get a better grasp on that question, but to my knowledge, that has not happened. You start going in and slitting, you know, cigars open, and you can do a lot of damage really quick. Oh, yeah. Well, and again, it's done on one of those irregular basis, and you know, you got a bundle. They cut open the bundle and they slice open two cigars. Okay, so they're That's not they're right. not cutting all of them open. No, 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 no. I've never seen it. No, not to my knowledge. Okay, but to come full circle to your your question and the premise is, you know, the food the Food and Drug Administration was granted comprehensive regulatory authority. To, to regulate all tobacco products, but Congress never told them to regulate cigars. And then in 2016, they issued 499 pages of regulations, about 40 of that specifically pertain to cigars. And it, essentially, to summarize, tens of thousands of pages of court documents and regulatory guidance, I can summarize it in one sentence. The attempt by the federal bureaucracy to get, to regulate premium handmade cigars in the same fashion as all other tobacco products, i.e., cigarettes. 
uh, specifically, a one-size-fits-all approach, and it simply doesn't work. Uh, and for an sundry of reasons, but being a C-SPAN political junkie uh, that I, I recall, and this was before my cigar lobbying days, specifically before CRA, but I remember definitively watching C-SPAN during the debate on the floor of the United States Senate, the consideration of the Tobacco Control Act. And everything revolved around three things, mortality, addiction, and youth access. And premium handmade cigars do not fit the bill for any of those criteria or basis for passing the, that Congress passed the Tobacco Control Act. Definitely. And we have submitted hundreds of pages, hundreds of pages, documenting the lack of addiction, the lack of impact on mortality, and the lack of youth access to the product. It simply doesn't appeal for a number of reasons, most of which probably price, but we're simply not a product that America's youth gravitate to. Well, and that's the reason we've been pursuing an exemption ever since. Okay, so so that actually is brings me to a question. I've had a, a conversation with a friend of mine, and he's a cigar manufacturer, and he was kind of wondering why, if there's a, if there's all this evidence that shows the differences between premium cigars and cigarettes and and all the other tobacco related products and everything, has there been any sort of a lawsuit? to to um, either either with a state or I mean even the federal government to basically say you know you're lumping us into these laws and lumping us all in together and we want to be taken out so I guess what you're saying is that's exactly what you're trying to pursue as an exemption but you're doing it more on the legislative side and not going at it through the courts no it, it sounds like you're not uh familiar with our litigation is that a fair statement uh you have a lot of litigation going yeah. so i don't know that's exactly true. yeah so i don't okay. know exactly well, what, what litigation we might be talking about yeah let's back up a little bit then. okay um beginning when when congress passed the tobacco control act cigars were not in the bill as i as i mentioned but it authorized a, what's called the deeming process that leads to you being regulated in response and in, in t- anticipation of that 2011, the industry, under the umbrella of Cigar Rights of America at the time, and then uh, the IPCPR, now the Premium Cigar Association, uh, initiated legislation in Congress, April 15, 2011, to uh, exempt premium handmade cigars, a very narrowly defined class of premium handmade cigars from FDA oversight. There were consistent delays, 2011 to 2016 is when they dropped the regulations. In uh, late 2017, we filed a lawsuit against the Food and Drug Administration, against the regulations, and specifically against the first wave of the regulations, and specifically the warning labels that would cover 30% of the front, 20% of the, excuse me, 30% of the top, 20% of the front, 20% of the inside of a cigar box with a warning label, with a warning label that's based upon well, it's based upon no science, basically, <laughs> or they wouldn't have done it. But they were basically using us as guinea pigs for what they want to do in the cigarette industry. Yeah. And so that litigation has been in play since that time. Uh, we've been in court several, several times. And specifically to summarize it, Judge Amit Mehta in the D.C. Circuit Court has ruled in our favor on, on various occasions, has written numerous opinions 
that have highlighted in his specific words how unfairly the premium cigar industry has been treated by the agency. And that's the judge's words, not ours. And then the same judge issued a stay on the implementation of those regulations on the warning labels on on cigar boxes. And he did so, did so for a number of reasons. But just to highlight a, a couple of them, one, the agency thought twice. And by that, I mean this. the uh, When Dr. Scott Gottlieb became commissioner of the uh, Food and Drug Administration under President Trump, he was true to his word. He reopened the public comment period specifically on premium cigars for new information. And before that, the agency considered in the their filings with the public, they considered the exemption, just considered it. Okay. So it means there was some type of possibility that they were going to grant an exemption. They had a, they had a second thought as well. And then Dr. Gottlieb reopened the public comment on those regulations on premium cigars. And it was the first time that there was a comment period where we were not lumped in with, with vape and e-cigarettes and other products. And because of that and no response to that by the agency, we filed 529 pages of information documenting, again, the lack of ventilation, addiction, mortality, youth access, extensive studies on the demographics of the premium cigar smokers of America, uh, comparing us to other tobacco products. You know, your kid has his first cigarette at 16, the first cigar at 27. Our demographic is 35 to 65, 35 to 55. That type of information was provided, and there's been no response. And because of that opening of that comment period, because of that seed of doubt in, in considering it an, an exemption, the judge made clear that a one-size-fits-all approach to the regulations don't work. Okay. But it's taking a, taking a federal judge to tell the agency that. And what we need is for the political community to embrace the arguments that have come down from the courts to demonstrate how unfairly the industry has been treated by the agency, and again, using the judge's words, not ours. So with that, taking that, that one step further, I, it's like I pointed out earlier, substantial equivalence, I believe, the deadline for that has been pushed to September of this year Correct. because of COVID and everything. Right. All the brands and everybody's still going to have to file all their their paperwork and whatnot to be considered and everything by the by the FDA. And this impacts the ability of these brands to either have product on the market that's already out past um, the the grandfather date, but then also possibly, and, possibly. okay. And then also it impact possibly impacts their ability to bring out any new product as well. So with that being said. What's the likelihood that the FDA has their ducks in a row and is actually prepared to be able to handle this come September? Well, they're and then, not prepared. And, and, and therein lies my problem. Yeah, they're not prepared. And what this – two things I want to bring up. Yeah. One, it's pathetic. It's pathetic that the agency and the, the Secretary of Health and Human Services and the FDA compelled the court meaning we had to spend thousands of dollars in legal fees to get that extension in court when the commissioner of the FDA and the secretary of health had the unilateral authority because of the national crisis to offer that extension to the industry. But instead they made the courts be the bad guy to made the courts to be the one to compel them to do what was right in the first place. And I wanted to point that out. 
Secondly, that is a good point because you're right. Secondly, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, every, everything's been delayed, so I mean, you're right. You make a valid point. Why? Why should the court have oh, even ridiculous. had to step it's, in in the first place? It is truly nothing short of pathetic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Secondly, is that what the extension does do is it offers an opportunity to hopefully design and advocate for and press with the administration the need for a streamlined approach to this, to where we can have some type of a universal approach. You're smoking a wrapper and a binder and a filler, and and you and Jeff Gator are both smoking probably <laughs> two, probably smoking two different cigars, but you're both still smoking a wrapper, binder, and a filler from two different manufacturers. We like actually that. are smoking. We, two we actually are during, right during yeah. this interview. So yes. The, so the question becomes: If if this tobacco is coming from the same basic countries, and what you're smoking is what came out of the ground, and if there's no chemical manipulation, which there's not, and with if there's no nicotine manipulation, which there is not, then why should there be fifty thousand applications? And I don't pull that number out of the sky. That's the number of cigar premium cigar SKUs that are on the market. Wow. And if every size is different, and every size and every blend is a separate application. Why should there be tens of thousands of applications to cover what is a universal product of a wrapper, binder, and filler, all natural agrarian tobacco, all grown in the same countries that can be identified? And the only thing that different is different and is altered in that product product is time. Wow. Time. And, and and you know and and I'll say to to take a to take this and give like an absurd example. I mean. We live in southern Illinois. There's there's corn you know, farmers all over the place. Yep. Theoretically, you can make the argument that, you know, along this line, that if we wanted to go to the absurd point, you know, maybe Jeff would have to submit a, a paperwork regarding, you know, how he grows his corn. And I'd have to submit paperwork regarding how I grow my corn because my corn's not the same as Jeff's corn, even though, you know, you know what I mean? No, it's I, like, I might well, be... because your corn may have had three more days of sunshine yeah. and his corn, his corn may have had seven more days of water. Well, that's the only variance in tobacco, Yeah, water, sun, time, but it's ultimately still a it, product. You know, yeah. When you get the same tobacco leaf and, and one manufacturer decides to age that same leaf for two years and another manufacturer may decide to age that same exact leaf for five years to give it a different flavor content, but doesn't change the chemical composition one iota. Why should that be regulated as a totally separate product? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that gives you just an idea of the bureaucratic malaise that <laughs> the industry is, is running in at this point in time. Well, now, now let's stop for a moment. I want to, I want to ask if you could give um, the, uh, the elevator speech of what is Cigar Rights of America? Because I don't think we touched on that in the beginning, and I want to circle back, kind of cover your organization sure. and what you guys are doing. And then I want to talk about, because um, you guys aren't just battling in Washington. I mean, you're all battling different levels of government all over the country regarding sure. tobacco right, you know, regulation and legislation. So if sure. you could just explain the organization a little bit. Well, to give you the... the brief, brief history is in 2008, the industry got its first true political wake-up call when the S-CHIP, State Children's Health Insurance Program taxes, uh, came about in Congress, and for the first time, premium handmade cigars were in the political crosshairs of what would have been a very, very dramatic tax increase. And that was the great political wake-up call 
for the industry. And they realized at that juncture something needed to be done to, to galvanize the grassroots advocates that are out there for the premium cigar industry and galvanizing them, helping them, getting them to help reinforce the political message that uh, the federal government should have higher and better priorities than, than attacking premium handmade cigars. To give you a quick idea of what that meant, the original proposal for the S-chip taxes was $10 per cigar. Holy cow. Wow. Literally. Can't make that up. Then it was $3, and it finally got down to uh, the $0.40 cents that it is today. But that was the wake-up call. And so uh, a handful of manufacturers got together and in 2008 launched Cigar Rights of America. And uh, since then, we've built it in collectively as an industry and retailers and consumers uh, built it into a 50-state coalition that has sent over half a million petitions to Congress and the states on everything from smoking bans to taxes to the federal regulatory issue. Now we're engulfed in litigation that is between us and the Premium Cigar Association. has been a $6 million proposition to defend the industry in court. Holy cow. Um, wow. We, have a, we both have wa- offices in Washington, D.C., but as you mentioned, we both uh, engage in issues at the state level and major metro level. Uh, for example, right now, we're trying to work with uh, the retail community in New York to get Governor Cuomo to think twice about raising the OTP tax in New York to 75 percent. Or working with the Virginia retailers and trying to ward off uh, our governor in Virginia, which he just you know, raised the OTP tax from 10 to 20 percent. So, you know, there could be a smoking ban issue in Louisiana, a tax issue in Minnesota or Massachusetts, uh, 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 the attempt in the state of California and the state of Vermont to use a flavored tobacco ban so broadly, so generally, that it could amount to a de facto tobacco ban. Because as you guys well know, you read these cigar reviews and you hear, you know, notes of coconut and you know, caramel and nutty and buttery and balance and the like. Some people are trying to design legislation to say, oh, that's a flavored descriptor. Yeah. Which makes it a flavored product, which means it should be banned. It's a backdoor attempt to ban tobacco. So we get pulled into issues of that nature as well. So it is literally across the board defense of the industry. So you, you mentioned that you do stuff on the state levels. You know, we're, we're sitting here right now in the People's Republic of Illinois, and I guess my question to you is, like, what are the top three or five states that are really going after, you know, premium cigars? That's a good question. Um, you know, Chicago has had its share of, of attacks on the industry from a tax perspective, and it's absolutely pathetic that a, a city as wonderful and as large as Chicago doesn't have doesn't allow for cigar bars and there's some interest from some members on city council to change that and we've had some meetings in that regard that we can talk about sometime in the future yeah but uh it's it seems to be a consistent target on the tax front in illinois uh but to answer your question i mean california with this flavor ban that's so broad it could bring in all tobacco products uh, what happened in Beverly Hills, California, is an example where the city banned the sale of all tobacco products. And a private club and two cigar shops, we worked 
we issued a letter to city council just to get two cigar shops and a private club exempt from a, a comprehensive tobacco sales ban. That's the type of bad idea that can spread all too quickly. But normally there's something to worry about in uh, Indiana, Illinois, uh, threats to roll back the tax cap in the state of Minnesota and the state of Oregon, legislation that, that's consistently blocked that would allow the smoking of cigar shops in the state of Washington again. Uh, there's places that are you're having to consistently uh, defend the ability to smoke in cigar shops, which is probably the next wave of uh, regulations at the state level. Well, you were in, in St. Louis not too terribly long ago working with our, our lounge owners and shop owners and whatnot in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, about yeah. that very issue. And thank goodness the uh, the threat hasn't gone anywhere since uh, uh, just before that time. But, uh, you know, there's commitment there to organize themselves because it was consistently a threat to have a public referendum for a regional smoking ban. And referendums are nearly impossible to defeat. Yeah. Uh, the, the, to give you an example of Alabama has was and has been unable thank goodness, to pass a statewide smoking ban. But it's been several years since this happened, but there was a member of the state Senate in Alabama that said, oh, well, fine, if the legislature won't do it, I'm going to put in a bill that will throw the, the question to a referendum. Well, that's a terribly tough thing to stop. Now, thank goodness their House of, of Representatives did. But if that had been bill had advanced it would have been a terribly expensive and a terribly difficult thing to stop yeah and there's been similar things on the tax front to throw them to a referendum in states like uh, arizona and oregon and california so it comes from all angles and it comes from all sides it comes from both parties and and it's the very reason that that the pca and the cre work hand in glove to try to cover the country Interesting. Interesting. So you, you touched on a, a flavor ban and how that seems to be happening a lot. I, I seem to see, keep seeing it happening a lot at like local levels, state levels, things like that. Do you think that there's going to be – I know that it was, bre- it was brought up in that comprehensive bill in Washington, but I think didn't that get stripped out? So – I guess yeah. my I guess my question well, is: Do you think that's going to become an issue in Washington, to where it'll just be a national thing at that point? Uh, a little bit of both, and the only ones we get involved with are the flavor bands that are written so broadly that they could bring in premium handmade cigars that have no characterizing flavor. Okay. And some of these bills, some of this legislation, is written so broadly that it could bring in a perfectly natural unadulterated type of cigar. And that's when we get really drawn into those types of legislative fights. It's not going to go away. The flavored tobacco market's got a political mark on its back and that's not going to go away anytime soon. Interesting. Why is it? And and I guess you may not be able to answer this question, but I guess, you know, one of the things that's always brought up regarding that is um, you don't see this push to ban flavored alcohol. And, (laughs) I mean, or at least not that I, I hear as much. And so I guess my point is, like, why why do you feel as though they tend to target the flavored tobacco, but yet 
you know, uh, uh, grape vodka is okay. Because they spent a lot more money on politics. Than there, there you go. Uh-huh. <laughs> saw that saw that answer coming a mile away. There you go. So, Glenn, um, why don't we touch on your background a little bit? Now, you obviously have been involved in politics long before you, you joined into the CRA. Can you kind of give a little bit of your own personal history there? Oh, God. <laughs> I've been a political tramp my whole life, um, <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, I was always involved and engaged in the political process in one form or another. Um, my first job, well, I was running political campaigns while I was still in college. And uh, did uh, several campaigns for House of Delegates races and a former governor uh, in the 80s while I was still in college. And then my first job out of college was working for the Virginia legislature and uh, working for the House of Delegates uh, there. And then I went to work uh, touching the government in a lot of different ways with the University of Virginia. 1991, I was uh, on the staff for a member of the state Senate in Virginia. Um, and then I've lobbied and advocated uh, virtually all the time since then in one form or another. I'd carved out a niche in chasing pork barrel, <laughs> to use that term loosely, government spending on worthwhile projects. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, then in, 19- in 2001, I launched my own lobbying firm. And uh, that's when I got into the world of cigars and uh, – well, it's yeah, 2001. I was into cigars before that, but that's when I, the year I launched my own lobbying firm. And 2006 was the first time a Virginia legislator introduced a smoking ban proposal. And it so ticked me off that the thought of our legislature stopping me from enjoying a cigar at a couple of the wonderful places near my home just infuriated me so much. And the local cigar shop knew what I did for a living. And they asked me to get involved and that led to an effort to organize the Cigar Association of Virginia, working together with other retailers throughout the state, and that launched my love affair with the politics of cigars. So on a personal note, what kind of cigars do you like? Do you have any personal favorites? Do you have, like, you know, ones that you gravitate towards? Well, when you when you got you know sixty five cigar companies helping to support CRA, they're all my favorites. <laughs> well, I understand, I understand that, but you know, and we don't have to. But you know, we're not. I'm a, I, I like my cigars a little more stout than uh, than normal or normal. I don't know what's normal, but uh, I well, prefer. And Nick, uh, Nick and I are kind of in that boat. I'm more of a uh, Connecticut shade grown guy. Nick likes a little bit more of the full bodied cigars. So you know, everybody kind of has their own palate and preference. And it depends on what time of the day it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, uh, I, I, you know, since it's a limited release, it's a, it's a little easier to talk about. But I just got a box of uh, from uh, from the Pete Johnson's TAA 2020 ah. version, and uh, it's a thoroughly enjoyable cigar. And I, I got a, a packet of the. Uh, the Tatuai Anarchies with them from my friends down at Smoke Inn in Florida. And uh, I had one of those for the first time in my life last night hmm. and uh, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Anarchies a little more on the stout side, if you will, but uh, great for my palate. Interesting. Uh, I, I, I like a lot of these TAA exclusives that, that are put out on the market, but 
you know, I've got certain ones that are just great everyday cigars. Uh, Ashton's La Goria Cabana. I mean, I'm sorry, La Roma de Cuba. Yeah. I get my laws, laws messed up. <laughs> <laughs> the, the La Roma de Cuba is a, a great go-to everyday type of cigar. Uh, but what you, you can't go wrong with a with any of them, uh, the Fuentes, the Padrones, the Patels, uh, the Olivas, um, the, the Newmans. I mean, it's we to quote my friend Jorge Armenteros with Tobacconist University, we are truly living in a renaissance of some cigar making. We've heard that from some, a number of guests that, yes. that this is like a golden age because it really just, is. You can't go wrong. Yeah, I mean, you could stop smoking. I'm one of those who, you know, has his go to gravitate to cigars that I, I smoke every day or every month or every week. I figured out not too long ago that I could stop smoking everything that I traditionally gravitate to and spend the rest of my life and not probably smoke the same cigar twice. I would, um, that's probably definitely yeah. fair. I mean, you know, with when you stop and think about, and not to get morbid or anything, but, you know, we all have a certain amount of cigars in our life that's, uh, that's available to us just when you stop and think about it's it. It's really and depressing to think about. Thanks, Nick. I'm sorry, but but it's one of those things that when you stop and think about it, and you're saying if there's 50,000 different cigars out there, yeah. Well, I mean, there's, you know, skews, and that, again, so, well, yeah, so you know, sizes Rocky and Decade comes is a great go-to everyday blend, uh, but it comes in, I don't know, five, six different sizes. Yep. And but each of those sizes has little variations to it, you exactly. Know, in terms right, of like right. strength and that sort of thing. So yeah, you could smoke something different all the time and 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 never circle back potentially. It's it's an amazing part of the process and it part of the uh, the imagination that gets captivated by the cigar industry when you put it in that type of uh, perspective. Definitely. Well, and just doing the podcast. You know, I, I talk about this a lot, but it's made me really branch out and try different cigars that I normally wouldn't gravitate to. And I found some really good ones that are not cigars that I would have picked up had us not been doing this podcast. And I can imagine, you know, with you, with the amount of cigar manufacturers and things you work with, you you have access to probably a lot more cigars than Nick and I run across. We tend to We tend to find that cigars are regional. You know, what the cigars you'll find here in St. Louis aren't the cigars necessarily you find in kansas city or chicago or paducah kentucky just well that's right that's right i mean i've been in what's funny is i remember years ago when toronto was still an uh, independent company before they sold to general i was doing an event with them at, at a shop in fort lauderdale and there was a cigar on the table and it was just flying off the table i mean guys were just coming and just buying this one particular cigar like crazy and I, I turned to Toronto, uh, Toronto beside me, and I said, that's crazy. What is that cigar? And he says, it's amazing. That cigar just sells like hotcakes right here. And you know what? There's a cigar shop six miles down the road, and I can't sell one of them there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yeah. They, they, these shops, I mean, they just develop their 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 core group of customers like i mean we we shop a lot at the the hill cigar company in st louis and you'll have it, it's an in it's it's in an italian neighborhood so you get a lot of guys coming in and buying uh toscanos yep but there's not another shop in st louis that carries toscano because they don't have the clientele that demands it yep well that's right 
That's so, right. It's so absolutely it's, cool. Well, in the time we've got, I want to make sure I get a few things out. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, that I want to highlight to your to your listeners. One is our legislation is still alive in the United States Congress to exempt premium cigars, H.R. 1854 uh, in the House of Representatives and S. 9 in the United States Senate under Senator Rubio's leadership. And um, the House bills led by Democrat Kathy Castor and Republican Bill Posey in the, in the House of Representatives. We have a petition at cigarrights.org that is very simple to fill out. Put in your name and your zip code, and the system takes care of itself, sending a message to every member of, the, of your members of Congress. Uh, you're one member of the House. You're two members of the Senate, asking them to support that legislation. Secondly, we're running an a uh, President Trump Twitter campaign. There's this vicious political rumor that the president's in Twitter. That was a joke. You're supposed to laugh hysterically. <laughs> at that. But anyway, I, 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 I have I have said more than once. Somebody probably needs to take his uh, you know smartphone away from him from time to time. But you know, and well, I I happen to be a conservative, but before they do that, let's yeah. let's hope somebody brings up our cigar messaging before they do that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> But we at cigarrights.org, we've got a collection of five or seven different messages. Pick the one you're comfortable with, um, asking that the president get the FDA to back off regulations on premium handmade, handmade cigars, save American jobs, save jobs in this hemisphere, that a federal bureaucracy should not be threatening this, these jobs in our country and within this hemisphere, uh, that these regulations are, don't deserve a one-size-fits-all approach, et cetera, et cetera. So we hope people will take the time to send the president a nice message uh, asking him to for that type of regulatory relief. We were very fortunate and appreciative that Governor DeSantis of Florida publicly and personally rose our is that right rose raised our issue with uh, with the president uh, as a concern for the Florida economy during this pandemic. So uh, on my Twitter feed, um, I posted a video of Governor DeSantis raising the premium cigar issue with the president, noting that he did in a press conference not too long ago. Um, And lastly, well, not lastly, almost not lastly, we're raising the issue of what we mean to this political cycle in Florida and Pennsylvania, the distribution channels for premium cigars through Pennsylvania the corporate headquarters, the distribution and logistics operations, the retail base, the corporate headquarters that span from Fort Lauderdale to Miami and north to Tampa and, and Naples. Uh, what we mean politically and economically to Pennsylvania and Florida, we're trying to get those directly correlated to the presidential race to get our message across to both candidates. And uh Close for any listeners that are out there. We're trying to diligently get our message across to South Carolina Senator Tim Scott and Texas Senator John Cornyn. We have petitions that specifically go to their offices as as well at cigarrights.org. So we help people will go to the site, join. They can sign up for our free grassroots network on the website. We just want to keep our our cigar consumers uh, across the country informed of the issues confronting the industry at all levels and how they can better be engaged to defend the industry. Definitely. definitely. With that, I'll shut up and take some more questions. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> not I, at all. One of them I was going to ask is how people can get involved. So, and you just, you just touched on there that. There you go. So, Cigarrights.org. You can, you know, we hope people will join for $25. We'll ship you two great cigars. We're doing that. You get a membership card and, We'll keep you apprised through our newsletter process, or they can sign up free 
in our grassroots network that's on the front left side of our homepage, uh, just to hopefully just to, to be a better informed uh, cigar consumer. Well, and it's important for people to sign up because it need, we need to be able to show numbers. We need to be able to show that, that we are a, a large uh, block of voters because, let's be honest, I mean, I've worked in politics before, and you're obviously working, and you know as well as anybody, the politicians, they're, they're, they want to know the numbers behind it. They want to know, you know, can this uh, impact me during re-election time? And, you know, if we have a nice, good core group of, uh, of CRA members, then obviously that can that can help sway some decisions absolutely and that's what's helped us put over 350,000 messages into the United States Congress and it's really helped especially in the House of Representatives over the course of the last several years I know I have uh, used your system to reach out to both my congressmen and my senators now living in southern Illinois I have congressman Mike Bost as my as my congressman and I've received letters back from him talking about his support and various uh, actions that he's taken on behalf of the cigar industry i can't say as i've ever heard from uh senators duckworth or durbin though i can't imagine why yeah <laughs> well i tell you what we've had you know they they basically just don't care i mean we've had briefings in their office in washington illinois has got some of the great cigar shops in the land uh within the boundaries of the state of illinois and for the life of me i i can't figure it out i mean they basically will look down and see a, a carton of cigarettes and a bag of chewing tobacco and a $400 box of cigars. And they literally don't care that treat them all the same basically is, is very much their mindset. Well, and that's sad. It's sad. You touched on it earlier. It's all about taxes here in Illinois because we're broke. And so they just want as much money out of it as they can get. But that's well, now we're getting in down. The there, there's around, literally so. nothing in Illinois. They haven't taxed, but fresh air and the birds flying around us and it's coming. So. Well, and that's at the state level with governors in your state legislature and the like. There's no excuse for, you know, Durbin is like that at the federal level. But yeah, fortunately, the current United States Senate has acted as somewhat of a firewall on some of the more draconian pieces of anti-tobacco legislation. Uh, but it kind of highlights, and I don't say this in a partisan context. I mean, we've got a lot of great friends on the left. We really do. Yeah. Yeah, especially in the House of Representatives. I mean, cigars are not a partisan product. Well, I mean, yeah, because I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It was a Democrat congresswoman, uh, and I'm blanking on her name from Florida that that proposed some changes to the uh, to the bill. Uh, was it last year? Yeah, that was Congresswoman Donna Shalala. We yeah. did a briefing for her in Miami uh, in a small cigar factory, El Titan de Bronze. Um, I think we have gotten the message across to her. She made some positive changes in her position on premium cigars. Uh, she's got a form letter to her constituents that highlights how we're not the problem with youth access or addiction. Congresswoman Kathy Castro of Tampa is a, a Democrat in the House leadership now. Um, you know, I did an interview with the Wall Street Journal years ago when this thing started. Neither one of these folks are in Congress now, but it was true then. I told the journal, I said, you know, we've, we've got the only bill in Congress that's got Charlie Rangel and Michelle Bachman on the same bill, so we must be right. <laughs> uh, bizarre. So, yeah, we've, we've had cigar events in the old days. Speaking of Illinois, 
and don't say anything disparaging. I'm just telling you a cool story. Okay, okay. We never said anything bad about Illinois. No, no. <laughs> I'm opening myself up for something by telling you this story. Uh, we'll, we'll let this but, go. But we were having a cigar event one night in Washington, and Congressman John Klein, a very, very conservative Republican from Minnesota, was there, and, uh, and Congressman Jesse Jackson, Jr., mm. And we were on a veranda in Washington, and they gave a great joint presentation of what cigars meant to them. And Congressman Klein said, you know, every day, and he put his arm around, you know, uh, Congressman Jackson, and said, you know, we can fight like cats and dogs up on this hill. We can disagree violently on issue after issue after issue. But I know if I can sit down with a colleague at night over a cigar, we can come to a meeting of the minds and that makes a cigar an instrument of bipartisanship. Amen. And you know, we, we've talked about this a lot on the show. Cigar lounges. You encounter that in every cigar shop and lounge across the country, guys of all sorts of different, um, socioeconomic backgrounds, um, upbringing, just everything could possibly be different. But as long as they're getting together about a cigar, they can sit and have a conversation. Yep. They can talk about serious issues. And we always joke about, oh, what are you doing back there? Oh, we're solving the world's problems. But in reality, that can be done. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I always I say know. cigars are the great equalizer. No doubt about it. I mean, there was a reason that uh, Harry Truman liked to go back when he was president of the United States like to go back to the basement of the Capitol with his buddies to play cards and drink a little bourbon and smoke a cigar with his buddies. And, it, you know, we, as I'm fond of saying, we need to cut more deals and smoke field rooms. There you go. There you go. Well, one last thing, Glenn. It was just announced today that the uh, PCA trade show in Vegas has officially been canceled. What are your thoughts on that? It's sad. It's nothing short of sad. I mean, obviously what the country is confronting, I mean, it's hard to equate the trauma that this pandemic has brought onto the country and literally to the planet and to put it in the context of, Oh, it's a cigar trade show, but it is such a significant occurrence with this industry. It's a significant time. Uh, the family owned traditionally family owned, uh, cigar companies were truly looking forward to this trade show to highlight what they mean to this industry. Um, it's a, not only a, a, a moment of commerce, it's not only a moment of commerce for the industry, it's a moment of camaraderie, it's a time of, of fellowship, it's a time of exchanging ideas, and uh, it's very sad that that's not going to occur, and hopefully something can be done to bring the industry together somehow, some way, sometime this year. It obviously won't be a trade show. But there's, I, I know that there's a great deal of thought being put into other ways to, to bring the industry together, to either have dialogue or an exchange of ideas or updates and information, that part of the trade show that, that could still take place. So with that, we'll all, we will all have to stay in touch on that and stay attuned to that. But, you know, the, it's just a... It's another victim of what we're confronting in terms of the terms of this global health crisis. You know, I was wondering about the show, given the fact that I know the Venetian unveiled a lot of their um, both security and health related protocols that they were going to be coming out with, with temperature um, readings and and masks and distancing and everything else. And it just seemed like it was just going to be such a difficult task for 
for a trade show that large to be able to adhere to um, what the Venetian was going to need to be able to do. So, um, unfortunately, I can't say as I'm surprised. It, it is unfortunate. Still though. hate to hear it. Yeah, yeah. We were looking forward to going to that show. We were. Well, we'll just all have to regroup and prepare for 2021. There you go. So, Well, now, Glenn, there's one other thing that I wanted to touch on while we had you on the phone, and um, it, it might be the elephant in the room for some people that are aware, but you have announced that you will be leaving the CRA following um, the 2020 elections, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's and, right. Uh, can you, I mean, obviously you've been involved for quite some time. Um, can you give us a little insight as to maybe your decision to, to do that? Well, as I'm fond of saying, I've, I've had marriages that didn't last this long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with I you. I say, my co-host can agree with you on that. <laughs> I mean, you know... Uh, the litigation is taking its toll on the industry. It's getting tougher and tougher to raise the funds that are necessary. Um, I, I'm a lifelong, I consider myself a lifelong cigar advocate. I think everyone needs to support Cigar Rights of America now and well into the future. There's a lot to be done and a lot that can be done between now and the election. We have a lot of uh, dots to connect still with the Trump administration to try to get some sustained long-term regulatory relief. Um, and we'll see how that plays out, but that's my commitment from now and through election night of this year. So, but you know, the, I can summarize it that the litigation is simply taking its toll, both financially and in terms of, uh, the overall agenda and approach to battling the, the issues at hand. And that's a complicated process, and uh, it's uh, it, it's just time it's time to look at something new and different, or maybe through a fresh set of eyes. But the work of CRE goes on; it will go on, and uh, it's it's the line of defense between this and not enjoying a great cigar. We work hand in glove with our brethren at the Premium Cigar Association to do that, and uh, there's a lot of battles that lie ahead and one form or another, either as a volunteer or otherwise, I'll be a part of that. And, uh, cause I'm very proud of what we've built and the standing that CRE has obtained with a, a nominal budget and, uh, a hardcore coalition of, of great family owned cigar companies behind us. Well, and, and to your point, it, it has to have been tough dealing with issue after issue not just at the federal level, but at the state levels and local levels and everything in between. And so I don't think anybody would fault you or speak ill about, you know, you deciding that, that you know what, maybe it's time that I, I, I need to to take a step back and let another person, you know, come to the forefront. So I, I think I, I, we, we commend you for your efforts. Absolutely. Because, well, it's, you like, know, it's like playing whack-a-mole. I mean, it just keeps popping up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it and, and the quarter never runs out. The game just keeps going. Yeah. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, and the industry is going to have to come to grips with how it's going to pay for these types of things in the future. And that's going to be a serious question over the next six months and in time to come. But that's the reason that consumers need to be supporting this process. I mean, the manufacturers are doing everything humanly possible to fight these battles in court and in the halls of Congress. But that's not the only places, as we discussed, that these battles exist. And uh, it's going to compel 
both organizations to look at how it approaches these types of things and realize that it has to be a true partnership between every level of the industry. Yeah. And I include the consumers in that in, in that equation. Well, Glenn, we really appreciate your time. And Thank we'd you like, so much. And we would definitely like to um, extend an invitation to you that at least from now until you're, you're stepping aside from CRA – that if there's ever any updates or anything that you that you need to share with our listeners, come on anytime. Just you got my number. You shoot me a text and just say, "Hey, something big's happening. I need to I need to reach out to your people." Oh, let's, you know, just anytime you need to get. We're here on, for we're, you. We're here to. Spread oh, let's the word. definitely plan on doing that in the next. Uh, you know, within the next go oh, forty five days, there'll be another there'll be another court hearing. Uh, there'll be continuous outreach to the Trump administration. So let's stay on touch, stay in touch on all of that. And uh, I appreciate y'all helping us spread the message. Yeah, definitely. We do two shows a week. So, I mean, there's plenty of time yes. to, for us to, uh, to, to share. So. We will always make a spot available. Yep. So. And I'm, I'm glad our uh, paths crossed at the TPE show. Yeah. This I saw, conversation first took place. I saw you walking around and I'm like, wait a minute. I know that guy. I got to touch base. And <laughs> uh, you were, you were hustling to go meet with somebody, but I'm, I'm thankful that you took a moment of your time to, to give me a um, quick soundbite. Uh, we were uh, tra- trade numbers. So. Oh, oh, that's right. We did do a soundbite. Yeah. Day, yeah. I, I did a, uh, we did a show where I collected all those soundbites and you were in and amongst those, um, you know, talking about stuff. So yeah, but. Well, thank you, and we'll do this again. Thanks for helping to spread the word. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. We appreciate it. Talk soon. Well, we really want to thank Glenn Loop for his time today. I know that he's a busy man with lots on his plate, but he was kind enough to sit and, you know, put up with our ignorance for a little while. Exactly. Boy, there's a hell of a bombshell about the PCA. I know. I'm. You know, let's go ahead and get into that. So, yeah, it was announced today. Uh, We're we're, we're recording recording Thursday Thursday for Friday. It was announced today that that PCA has gone ahead and canceled the uh, trade show in Las Vegas uh, this July. Now, I was reading an article on uh, Cigar Aficionado, but um, the organization was first formed in 1933, and the first show was held in 1934. And according to uh, Cigar Aficionado, they're saying that the executive director, Scott Pierce, believes that this is the... uh, uh, first show that has ever been canceled going wow. back that far. Even during World War II? Yeah, even wow. even during the 40s and everything else. I mean, this is the first time. So it's one of those things that the coronavirus just kind of dealt with it. Now, let's go ahead and get into the realm of speculation for a moment. And Speculate this is, away. This is my speculation. I don't think it was ever going to happen this year. At least not once the coronavirus stuff hit, yeah, I think that once coronavirus hit and everything started getting shut down, I think it was a done deal from the beginning uh, that it wasn't going to happen. You had you had manufacturers who were impacted by this that just for a variety of reasons could not make the show. You know, if it happened, well, in not July. to mention the cigar stores. You have the cigar yeah. retailers who have been closed for God knows how long. And they're struggling to get back on their feet just to be hanging on by their teeth, just to be able to continue business, much less go out to Las Vegas and buy a whole bunch of product that they don't even know if they're going to be able to sell. But on top of that, here is my theory. And again, 
pure speculation. Scott Pierce, if you happen to be listening and you uh, want to completely disagree with me on this, feel free to reach out to me through uh, uh, whatever means you, you wish to do so and let me know that I'm dead wrong. But my wife is very involved in a um, human resources organization. And I know in Illinois, all the states have, have their own conventions. She's involved in the Illinois chapter. They have their state convention, right? Yes. Right now, that's scheduled at McCormick Place in Chicago. Which is a hospital, Which is I'm not being mistaken. used yeah. as a COVID hospital, or at least it's set up for one. I don't know if anybody's actually even I don't know if they've it. had hardly any I don't patients. know if they've had any patients, but it's set up. But the point remains, it's scheduled for McCormick Place. The problem is, if Sherm were to cancel, then McCormick Place can keep their money. Oh. If McCormick Place cancels, Sherm gets their money back. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the current status of that convention is, so I don't want to say... So they're playing chicken. I suspect that's what PCA and the Venetian were doing. Yep. I suspect that the Venetian and the PCA were sitting back playing chicken with one another to determine who's going to be the one to blink to um, do it. Because I bet that's a hell of a deposit. Oh, yeah. So that's the thing. You know, they have to uh, they have to, the, to figure this out, and... Let's be real. PCA was already going to be losing some money with the Big Four uh, pulling out already. Because they went to the January show. They ditched out of PCA and threw in big for TPE. So my theory is that this was a situation where basically PCA was playing chicken with with the Venetian to see who was going to be the one to cancel the show so that maybe some money didn't have to uh, get lost, get eaten. Yeah. Now, again... I could be way wrong. And you know what? I could completely see that. Oh, I could see it, and, yeah. I, and I'll be honest. And I understand I it. could understand yeah. that, and I could totally back that, that, that point of view. I don't know if I would be... I mean, I guess if you're the PCA and you're playing that game, you're going to have to... Because they have come out with a number of statements saying, hey, the show's still on, the show's still on, the show's still on. They've got to maintain that to a point. Yeah. Because if, let's say, the show does have to go on... They can't have said, you know, oh, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. Well, any waffling and people but I don't, cancel reservations, but they I, cancel flights, yeah. Exactly. But I will say that according to um, Half Wheel, they have announced, or they put in their um, article about this that multiple manufacturers indicated they'd been formed by the PCA. The intent was cancel was to cancel the event. Uh, less than 60 days before the trade show. So they received word like last week about it. Okay. And the other thing that's important to note is the registration for it hadn't even really opened yet. So it's kind of one of those things where if you read between the lines, yeah. maybe you can kind of see it. Not necessarily from the manufacturer side, but from the retailers and stuff. And I don't know. I, I read that somewhere and I'm trying to remember where I just saw that. But it's one of those things where maybe if you read between the lines, it's possible to assume that, yeah, maybe this was just not going to happen. And let's be real. That show was having a lot of problems with um, the whole idea about bringing consumers into the show. And then you had the big four leaving and just everything else to where that show kind of had a lot of problems coming into this year. And I feel really bad because I really feel this was an opportunity for the PCA to show, hey, we can still put on a good show, 
And I feel really bad because I think it was an opportunity for a lot of the littler companies and the boutiques to get some light on them yep. with the big four out and of the picture. And to not get overshadowed, yeah. And to not get overshadowed. And so now, and also realistically, if you're a retailer who didn't make P, uh, TPE, you now are waiting at least until January next year for TPE 2021 or possibly PCA 2021 yeah. to to make it to a trade show. and. Well, and I didn't go. And it's, I didn't go in January. You is, did. And the thing is, it's not just a matter of purchasing cigars because the deals are going to be out there. These manufacturers are going to be reaching out to the shops. They're going to be offering deals. The shops are still going to be able to buy product. Yeah. It's the networking. It's the information. The knowledge. Uh, the yeah. knowledge and everything being shared around. Glenn touched on it in, in our interview with him. You know, there's more to it than just going and buying cigars. Yeah. And that's something that is going to be missed you know, with this show stopping yep. this year anyway. So, oh, crazy. Mm-hmm. So we'd be remiss if we did not talk about our weight loss challenge. Mm-hmm. I dropped another two. So I'm, I'm proud down. of you. So I'm down. What is that? 23 total. I gained two back. You sack of shit. We covered that, you know, uh, in the intro. Seriously, dude. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I'm, yeah. You I'm not are proud. just failing you know what did me in the troops need cigars i'm carrying your you load are carrying the point. load and this is i can't keep doing that <sighs> addy wanted dumplings because i'm not gonna lie at some point i'm gonna have to get my butt to a gym or something like that yeah addy wanted dumplings in order to keep this going and i can't do that right and now. i when i cook i cook big and i had frozen <sighs> dumplings earlier this year so you just sat and ate your weight in dumplings. Is oh, what you're telling dude. Me. Oh, they, oh, they were delicious carbs. Yeah, I, I screwed myself with dumplings for dinner and then actually for breakfast the next day. Oh, my God. Yeah, I ate the leftovers for breakfast. Jeff. I know. I'm, I, I'm so embarrassed. Nice I'm to, so ashamed. Nice to see that you're taking this here. I figured a little public humiliation or public accountability probably is a better way of putting it would be good for you. You would have thought, but no. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't care. I got two weeks left. I'm gonna I'm gonna step up. Really? Yep. You're gonna step up that much. So what are you down now? Ten? Ten. Still down ten. So I'm thirteen ahead of you. Yes, you are. You you're going to win, I'm afraid. Well then I really have to finalize what you're gonna do. So we will have the Because ex- at this point, if I'm gonna win, then I really have to finalize yeah. what, what you're gonna end up doing. This is not gonna be pretty for me, is it? <laughs> Especially now that I know I'm going to win. Yeah. Well, now, technically, we're going to weigh in on the 20th, the 27th, but then we have to weigh in on Sunday the 31st. So we have two and a half weeks. It's, I, it's time to put up or shut up for old Gator. Yeah, I would say that's accurate. Yeah. Now, we we would also be remiss if you didn't tell people about uh, how they can participate and help send uh, cigars to the troops. Since I'm slacking, please, guys, help step up. So... Yeah, we have partnered with My Monthly Cigars for this weight loss challenge. And My Monthly Cigars has been graciously donating cigars to Cigars for Warriors for all of the weight that, you know, I lose. Um, and I guess Jeff technically, when he yes. decides he's going to start losing weight. And um, I'm only a month and a half in. But but on the other half of this is that we are doing a cigar drive for Cigars for Warriors. And 
in light of the COVID situation and everything, it's been difficult for people to get out to the shops and buy some cigars. It's been difficult to get to the post office and mail cigars and everything. So a, a way that you can participate is to head on over to MyMonthlyCigars.com. And Nick over there has been gracious enough to set up where you can purchase one cigar for only $5 yep. that will go directly to Cigars for Warriors. You also can purchase five cigars for $20 or 15 cigars for $50. So it's either 5 bucks, 4 bucks, or $3.33.34 per stick, depending upon how many you decide to do. Yeah. And this is just one way that you can take part in our cigar draft. Because not only can you, you donate some cigars to the troops, but you can you can also use our offer code PULPIT, P-U-L-P-I-T, and that gets you 20% off. So you can even get a small discount on that stick that you're providing for the troops. Absolutely. And we've been having some uh, some of our followers, some of our guests that have joined in with us on this. You know, Broccoli Rob over at uh, Final Third Cigar has dropped some weights. Yeah. There have been others. Uh, so Yeah, Jamie Stevens, Cigar Eyes, she dropped some weight yeah. and working on it and everything. So, I mean, we've got people that are doing it in Nick, addition to Nick us. has been very motivational. I've been slacking. You've been the anchor, Jeff. Yeah, I'm dragging us down. us down. I'm dragging us down. You so. know, it would be a good time to also mention, since you were talking about My Monthly Cigars, what is My Monthly Cigars, Nick? It's a premium cigar subscription service where you can have cigars sent straight to your door every month. We get the Robusto box. It's four cigars for $30. That's what we're smoking right now is one of the cigars out of the May box. And that's just one option they have. They also have other size boxes, such as the Presidente, which is eight cigars for $50. And if you do that, it's two of each of the cigars that are in the Robusto box. So it's a pretty good deal. They have their MSRP guarantee, which states that all the cigars in the box, the MSRP of it will add up to and meet or exceed the price of the box. So for May, I think we determined it was like a $48 yeah, MSRP, it's a good MSRP for $30. Yeah. You know, so I mean, you're saving a lot of money um, doing this. And then if you did the Presidente box, I mean, that's like what, $96? Math. $96, yeah. I think, for, you know, 50 bucks. So, I mean, you're saving a lot of money doing that. Oh, so, absolutely. Um, but anyway, head on over to MyMonthlyCigars.com. You can sign up today, and uh, if you use offer code PULPIT, P-U-L-P-I-T, it gets you free shipping on your first subscription box, or it gets you 20% off any of the items in the online store, which is what we were getting at with the uh, Cigars for Warriors cigars. Yep. And then they're doing a special right now for the month of May for free shipping on all uh, all purchases from the online store, too. So you can actually save a little money for the month of May. There you go. Yeah. The other thing that we want to point out about My Monthly Cigars, they are doing a lot of giveaways for the month of May. This is their um, 12th month in business. So they're com- you know coming up on the uh, anniversary with the June box of their first year in business and everything. And Nick over there has been doing a series of giveaways. So if you follow My Monthly Cigars on uh, any of the socials or if you follow or get on their email list, you can uh, keep up with that and enter to win a uh, bevy of various prizes. They got some good stuff, too. They do I've been have seeing some, some of the stuff. pictures yeah, pop up. It's been nice. So stuff I'd like. Yeah, so. we can't enter. No, no, I no. don't think that'd be prudent. It so. would not. Not at this juncture. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No. 
So as we uh, get down to the final half here of the cigar, I'm down to about my last third. Hey, you are too. Yeah. I mean, We're smoking I'm, along I'm, about okay. the same rate. We're doing all right. What are you getting there on the, on the diesel uh, unholy cocktail? I am still getting kind of a mixture of spice and floral. I am still getting kind of a nice heavy kind of meaty flavor, mm-hmm. you know, from it and everything. It's a good cigar. It really is. And the construction's great. What yeah. Nick, Nick uh, I did was have able to, to witness... <clears throat> yeah, I did witness it, and yep. I'm sure Jeff will post the picture. At I some will. Point. I uh, actually it... took a picture of my cigar standing on its ash mm-hmm. on the mic. I'd already put the picture up of it on the box, so now I'm going to have to figure out how to either add a picture or just make another post. But I have a picture of it standing on its ash on the my monthly box as well. It's a really well constructed cigar. I did have to go ahead and borrow Jeff's straight cutter to uh, clip off the end there. I did the V cut on mine. I did have to open it up a little bit. That yeah. was, but that, that's not the cigar. That's just me. It, the the V cut just wasn't deep enough to get the draw. Yep. But I, well, we were worried about that out of the gate. So, I was, yeah. I was. But anyway, but yeah, it's a good cigar. Like I said, good construction. The retro hail has not been overwhelming. It's just now, got like a little finish of spice. To calling it. it the unholy cocktail, I did anticipate that that this was going to just bowl me over and. Yeah. It has not done that. It's it's been a good cigar. It just hasn't it hasn't kicked me in the nuts like I thought it was going no. to. No, and and me either. And I'm I, I'm glad yeah. of that. By the way, you know, because I I tend to smoke a little bit lighter stick than you do. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it has not uh, not attacked me like I thought it would. I always think of the tricky track on a full body. Oh, retro hail is a little spicier on the backside. Yeah, I didn't get that. Maybe I just did too much smoke. Yeah, maybe. Oh, but anyway. And I would like to point out that we are available on the socials. We of course, are, the socials. You know, Je- Jeff's kind of slacking with his prompting me here, but I'm just enjoying um, my cigar. You know, we are on Instagram at the Cigar Pulpit. We're sitting out on the back deck right now, as well as storm rolling in at Naked Gator. N-E-K-K, this is one of those situations where we have two conversations at once. At N E K K drives Nick nuts. The Gator. As well as Facebook, <laughs> Twitter, YouTube, and then you can always reach out to us through CigarPulpit.com I'm on thinking the Contact the Pulpit page. about changing my name oh, on Instagram? Oh, really? Yeah, I'm thinking maybe get away from Naked Gator, because, you know, I do the Naked Gardening, but it's literally one day a year. I'm thinking about switching to uh, Smoking Gator or Gator Smokes or... You better do know. it before this episode comes out, because otherwise people are going to start pouncing on your names. It's true. You may notice uh, a change in my name here before too long. So I'm just, I think it, I think it fits the show better. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Although oh. I am Naked Gator. So. I mean. I was, I was in my garden a couple of weeks you, you ago. You were at least a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I had to wait for all the neighbor kids to go inside. They were putting up a tent. It was a whole thing. Oh my. Most of the neighbors like to come out and watch. It's really weird. <sighs> I would want nothing to do. <laughs> With seeing you naked, <laughs> but that's, again, neither here nor there. I don't know. I always catch you trying to sneak peeks when we're at hotels and stuff. No. Yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. <clears throat> trying to get him a look at the old gator. Tell you what, buddy. Trying it's, to get uh, a look at Gator's gator. It's, it's about the middle of May. <laughs> we're going to be coming up here very soon to the period of time that you and I have to be Buying tickets to some cigar events uh, yes. later this year. And I hope they happen. Um, Kansas City Cigar Festival, those tickets go on sale June 1st. Weston? Uh, we already have our tickets for Weston. It's true. I hope it happens. Uh, oh, I hope it happens. It'll happen. I hope so. 
That's a fun time. I don't think Corey's going to let that not happen. We can get another picture with Churchill when we're in Kansas City. We could. Yeah. But yeah, the Kansas City he Cigar. He was not amused. Kansas City Cigar Festival's coming up for sale. Um, and then uh, the other one that you and I have talked about going to, again, is the Drew Estate Kentucky Barn Smoker. Now, you soloed to that one last year. I and did. you had a really good time. I had a good like. time, and I think you need to come with me this year. I think it would be a good time. Well, see, Nick ran into some people from Pinckneyville. That apparently hate my ass. Yeah, it was it was really funny. I heard these people talking about Pinckneyville, and I was like, "Hey, my friend lives in Pinckneyville." And, yeah, and they're like, "Who's your friend?" I'm like, "Jeff Egbert." And they're like, "Oh," and just like that was the end of the conversation there. So, God, I wish I knew be, they were it'd be so bad. Really funny if they were there again this this year, and you could be like, "Oh, hey, you hey, know? it's you." I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, running I'll tell you what, running a newspaper in a small town is not always an easy task. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves you till they don't. Well, as we sit here on the back deck waiting for the ginormous storm to roll in, apparently every dog in the neighborhood has decided it's time to bark. It's been a it's been a thing. It's been outside. a thing all day today. It has. Yeah. But it's been nice. It's been such a beautiful day and it it's rained intermittently, but you know, it's just like a nice gentle Spring. Are we still in spring or is it summer? Have we transitioned? No, we're in spring. Okay. I think yeah. June is when we shift to shop, uh, summer. Sweet uh, summer rain. I think, I think we're still in, in spring. Yeah, I don't so, know. But You'd think I'd know my equinoxes and whatnot. You would think, Mr. Gardner. Ah. Oh, I'll tell you, man. We've got a couple of guests lined up, racked and stacked, coming up. That, we do. Some good I episodes. Mean, this... This, I'll well, the interview you, today was great. It was, and I'll tell you, this whole month has been just people either reaching out to me or people I've reached out to finally getting in, you know, in touch and everything. I mean, things seem to be clicking on the guest front, so well, I'm happy pe- about that. People want to get on the pulpit, man. I mean, they should. Why wouldn't you? I don't know. Right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so It's like that whole conversation from Ted about the chicken parm. Wait, chicken parm? But why are we even talking about it? I don't know why we're talking about it. <laughs> we're we're going to party like it's the 80s. Why wouldn't we it's let the great, Jews in? It's a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> why are we even talking about it? And then what's his name? Uh, Flash busts through the wall and attacks mm. the uh, Chinese guy living next door. But that's the thing. Why wouldn't we let the Jews in? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's so stupid. I know. Uh, I love that movie. Uh, I mean, it's it's about a bear that comes to life for the love of God. I think everybody's familiar with Ted. Maybe they're not. Well, you know. and they're just offended by what we're saying, not knowing it's a movie quote. It's possible, possible, but yeah, yeah. they should just assume at this point that ninety percent of what comes out of your mouth is a movie quote. It pretty much is exactly chicken parm. Oh my! So what else you had going on there? You you haven't even talked about this yet. You debilitated yourself. Oh, I jacked my back up oh. something. Fierce this week, dude. No, <laughs> oh god. I contend that the bishop needs to come up with a better backstory. But go ahead and tell people okay. what you actually did. I'll give the real answer. So Sunday, I was getting dressed and I had a shirt in the laundry basket on the floor, and so I bent over to pick up the shirt out of the laundry basket. And when I bent over, I don't know what I did. I don't know if I twisted weird, bent weird, whatever I did. I tweaked the hell out of my lower back. He was he was and in bed and on the couch for days. Pretty much collapsed onto the bed in writhing pain for a while. We did, were lucky. We'd recorded a couple episodes ahead and yeah. gave ourselves a little wiggle. I did manage to go ahead and get uh, get dressed, got in the car, went and got a little gas, 
went over to see my mom. It was and, Mother's Day. Uh, That's right. It was Mother's Day. Yeah. And I'm standing on the lawn talking to her. And I don't know if I just was standing too long or what. But all of a sudden, man, I just had the shooting pain go up my back again Ooh. to the point that this time I'm collapsing to my knees. And, <laughs> and your mom, I'm sure, thought you were just having the heart attack she's been waiting on. You know, it was rough. <laughs> and so then at this point, I um, would just I would pay anything to have seen you buckle that day. So at this point, you know, they have to drive me home because I couldn't drive. Oh, my God. And I, I didn't got, realize that. I got home. I got back into bed. And that's pretty much where I stayed until I had to pee on Monday. And that was an ordeal because I sat on the edge of the bed, got my you know feet on the floor, sitting on the edge of the bed, and I stay, go to stand up, very slowly, mind you. And I don't know what bending position it was, but again shooting pain all through me to the point that I collapsed to the floor and I now spend the next 90 minutes crawling, scooting, doing everything I possibly can to get myself to the toilet so that I can take a whiz and then get back to bed. If you'd had your little help, I fall in and can't get up button, you'd have been okay. Could have got the first responders out. Oh, dude, it was bad. I mean, it took me an hour and a half to get to the bathroom off my bedroom, mind you. It's not even like I went to the hallway bed. Or I know. I've bedayed in that sink. It's not far. God, I hate you. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, Monday was rough. Tuesday was a little better. Wednesday was a little better. Today is the first day I've driven since Sunday. Wow. Um, I've uh, And you drive everywhere. I mean, we're... Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm... Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I... Uh, I'm active again today, but I'm stiff. I'm still sore, and uh, yeah, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like there, uh, I contend there, the two worst pains that I've ever experienced is my back. Mm-hmm. Like if you tweak your back, I mean, it is just debilitating. Um, the other pain that I cannot tolerate in life is a toothache. Yeah, yeah, I've never had that. You've never had a toothache. I've never had a cavity. I've never oh, had a toothache. Dude. You 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 don't know. Yeah. There's no worse pain in the world because no. it doesn't go away. The, there are two things you can do to get rid of a toothache, and it, they're very short-lived. Um, one is clove oil, and the other is real, actual vanilla. Okay. You you just put a little vanilla in your mouth, swishle it around on the tooth. The pain will instantly stop. Well, it's only good for fifteen or twenty minutes, but you know when you can't it, get to the dentist, yeah, and, it's something. Yeah, it, but, it yeah. at least gives you a little bit of relief. Well, I. Wish I could have found some sort of relief for the back other than just popping a leave like they were Pez, but, you know. Yeah, your liver is not proud. No, this yeah. week has not been a good week for my liver. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, I was kind of surprised at the weight loss because I really figured that with the amount of inactivity uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, that that was going to result in, at best, a stay even. But you probably weren't eating much either. I really wasn't eating yeah. a whole lot, so. That may have actually helped. Maybe. Because you were less active, and, you know, when you hurt like that, you nothing sounds good. Oh, dude, no. Yeah. No, nothing sounded good. Ugh, man. But, I'm sorry. I hate that for you. Yeah. I would have loved to have watched it, but I hate it. I mean, I caught up on The Office. You did. Not, You're up in, not are you in season nine? I have just entered season nine, so I'm down to the last season of The Office. Nick now. has never watched The Office all the way through. Yeah, I, I stopped with the Michael Scott Paper Company stuff. That was that was good, but for whatever reason, I fell off around that point yeah. and uh, never got back into it. So there was like a whole, well, hell, the whole 
back half of the show I never never watched. So wow. this is all new to you me. You missed all the Robert California. I you, did. You missed the trip to Florida. I've seen all that now. The trip to Florida was fun. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. It You know, I, I think in season eight, it kind of jumped the shark. I think it went off the rails just a little bit. It finds itself in season nine. That's and good. And it ends, it ends strong. It ends well. That's good. Yep. That's good. So, yeah, I'm a big fan. I've, I've actually I watched it straight through three times now. Oh, my God. I don't know how you're doing that. Oh, it's fun. Because you catch stuff. And I'll tell you, and I know I talk about this and I promote their podcast a lot, but the Office Ladies. Yeah. Have, they brought me back for the third run because you start listening to them talk about all the behind-the-scenes stuff and how, and how they see. were all friends. And it, it makes you want to go back and watch those episodes. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. They just did, the last one they just did was Casino Night. And they had uh, John Krasinski on. Okay. To talk about. I haven't listened to that episode yet. It's 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 fun. Okay. And it's it's kind of like we do with the interviews. I think they had him on like a Skype call or a FaceTime. And Probably. It, it cuts in and out a little bit. But, you know, I, I didn't really fault them for that because we do it and I know what it's like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you just kind of have to work with the technology you have. Yeah. And they're, they're currently recording in their closets, you know, at their various homes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Angela's out in her she shed, and you know Pam's hiding. Pam, uh, Jenna Fisher's hiding in her uh, <laughs> kid's closet when she's recording. So, yeah, it's a good time. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. Anything else for the good of the group, there, brother? I am down to the uh, close to the nub on my stick. The meatiness has kind of picked up a little bit. Like it is, it is a heavy cigar. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a weight to it, um, but it's interesting. You've got like a, a, a heaviness to the smoke. But at the same time, um, it's not like it's like a really heavy flavor yeah. kind of thing. It's not well, like it, there's one thing that's like predominant. And like you said, it's very it, it's a very leathery looking cigar. But I didn't pick up any hints of that at all. No, I'm getting like I said some spice. I, I you know some floral. floral yeah. Um, and and I I do like I said I just it feels like a thick bloody steak. <laughs> I don't Which know. is the way to eat them? I get, well, Why cook it to death? I like a medium. I want to. I want to moo in a little bit. Medium. Medium well. Medium well is okay. Nice pink. Mediums like the nice pink. Medium yeah. well, you're like right on the. It's more gray. Yeah. Getting into the well done range. I'll tell which, you one of, and I'll throw this out because it's apropos of nothing else. But one of my favorite things to do is when we have deer season, um, I will usually go out and at least cut part of a backstrap off. And make little medallions and just just barely let them hit the pan. Just sear them. And they're, oh, they're so creamy. Oh, they're good. I'll do that for you sometime. You want to come down during deer season? I mean. You can come to deer camp, Nick. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, your back's going to have to get better to climb up in the deer stand. I like Bambi. Uh, so do I. I don't want to eat Bambi, With though. a nice mushroom sauce. I don't know. I don't know. I'll tell you what I really want to do. You were talking the other night about how you, how you had some tracer rounds, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the idea of getting some glow sticks to put on top of some can- yes. tannerite yes. and go out in the middle of the night Mark and our start, targets. Start, start blowing some holes in the ground with, at, <laughs> at night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to do that. Oh, I'm all in. Worst possible I can't believe way. we haven't done that up to now. Yeah. I want to do that in the worst possible way. Yep. It'll be so, a good time. Yep. It'll well, be fun. Cool. So. Well, dude, it was fun hanging out with you. Like I said, we're probably going to have to, although we're not really wrapping up short because our interview was long, but we got the storm rolling in, so we're probably going to want to get away from the electrical equipment. <laughs> probably a good idea. Yeah. So The lightning's not going to be our friend. No. We had that once. We were in, it, it was at Weston Tobacco Weston, Festival. And the, we were inside, but the lightning struck, and there was a pop on the, all the equipment and everything when... 
when that hit. Yeah. I really thought it was going to blow the board and everything out. Well, and that, it outlet, was that outlet was not grounded. So, no. yeah, we, we could have lost everything. Including us. Point. Yeah. Yeah, so we could have just fried right that, there. That was a thing. So. Would have been the end of the pulpit. It would have. Well, anyway, this has been another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. Hallelujah. I'm Nick. I'm Gator. Stay safe and stay smoky, everyone. and opinions of the hosts of the Cigar Pulpit do not necessarily reflect those of the advertisers and sponsors of the Cigar Pulpit.